Before I get to introducing my very special guest today, I'd like to send a, a wee uh, a wee wish alert to a, a fan of the show and a listener from somewhere in the Highlands. Where exactly in the Highlands he lives? Who knows, Highlander? Who knows? But his name is Christopher Gant. He's been listening to uh, to me in some form, whether it be in podcasting them softly or here on Cinema Yugen. As a matter of fact, his first uh, listening experience on the show was listening to me uh, and my very special guest. But uh, before I get started, I thought I'd send a wee whistle out to you, Christopher, up there in the Highlands. Where exactly in the Highlands? Who knows, Highlander? Who knows? But here on uh, Cinema Yugen today, <clears throat> we'll sound the trumpets. Because uh, legend tells of a legendary filmmaker whose filmmaking skills are the stuff of legend. Just like uh, Geordie LaForge on Star Trek The Next Generation, he's a man with unique vision. I am talking, of course, of my four-time returning guest, the director of Hardware, Dust Devil, and The Color Out of Space, the mighty Mr. Stanley, I presume. Oh, it's a pleasure to be back, sir. Great to have you back, Richard. You know, I was just looking the other day. I remember the first, um, our first interaction, listeners, rather than I, I first started uh, chatting with Richard because he supplied a, a rather wonderful piece to uh, a anthology that I collected, which was called uh, Conquest uh, of the Planet of the Tapes, straight to Video 3, and I had some many film industry professionals uh, include their memories of the VHS era and, and Richard's. I was I was reading a little bit of yours the other day. It had a great start, and I thought if they ever did a, a Richard Stanley biopic, it would begin with this scene, as as quoted from Richard Stanley from the book Conquested, uh, Conquest of the Planet of the Tapes. I ran naked through the night, barefoot over the African veldt, a bucket clutched to my chest. Inside the bucket was approximately a pound of marijuana and VHS copies of Lucio Lucci's House by the Cemetery, Cut and Run, Atlantis Interceptors, The Rocky Horror Picture Show and George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead. From somewhere behind me came a crackle of walkie-talkies and a flicker of flashlight beams. That would be a great opening to the Richard Stanley biopic, I think. Yeah, I was about 15, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing yeah, like, it brings back memories. Nothing like I mean, back in um, hot and videotapes. Yeah, then were the bad old days in apartheid era South Africa, when yeah. all those things were criminalised, when yeah. people actually did jail time for having um, VHS copies of Rocky Horror Picture Show or um, Dawn of the Dead. It's um, inconceivable now that, um, that that such a thing could have happened. But yeah, um, that was. Um, yeah, South Africa in the eighties. Yeah, crazy stuff. But it was um, Rocky Horror. You, you mentioned it quite a lot in in the piece. There, you you must be a, you're, you're a big Rocky Horror fan. You you get there on on nights where you're alone and do the time warp again. 
I do the time warp, yeah, but it's also out of loyalty because of um, the sheer fact that it was criminalized in South Africa and it, it kind right. of um, forced us to go the extra mile. So I, I remain loyal to Rocky even um, all these decades later. Did you see that? Uh, you obviously probably would have saw that documentary Searching for Sugarman. And now he was like a massive hit in South Africa, but like nowhere else. And it was all because that he was, um, you know, seen as some sort of a protest singer. So the, the youth of South Africa at the time, I found it was quite interesting. The youth of South Africa took him up and he was bigger than Elvis over there. Yeah, it's a very bizarre place. It's right on the other side of the world. And certainly um, back in the days when it was still a full-on police state, um, people didn't have a very good idea of um, what was going on out there. Mm. I mean, um, of course, there was political censorship. But um, the thing I suffered from the most was religious censorship. Right. I mean, it was the Dutch Reformed Church's idea to, um, I guess, criminalize any movies that um, you know, had any reference to the devil in them. Right. Um, when they released Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell, someone went over all the prints of a pelt of Marcus so that um, the words from hell were blotted out. And they just read Frankenstein and the Monster, and there was kind of a, a black blip jumping up and down next to it to shield people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, tail end of the 70s into the 80s, there was a rash of devil movies around. So um, they had to work overtime banning The Exorcist and um, trying to stop The Omen and The, and the Antichrist. All of which um, eventually fed into me wanting to um, make my very own South African devil movie just to, um, yeah, try and balance the books. Like Jodorowsky and uh, with the, as, as you yourself have featured in that, uh, that documentary about his doom, but uh, what was his movie? Uh, uh, it's gone. El Topo. You know, like you say in that documentary, you go, he's got that great line, you know, I am God. Yeah, yeah true. That's a hell of an opening gambit. Yeah, yeah. It's, um... But yeah, Dust Devil just felt like the easiest movie we could shoot at the time. Um, mm. I wanted to shoot something on 16mm. It began as a 16mm um, a movie when I was 15 years old. And um, <clears throat> the thought of doing a story where it was essentially a girl in the car who um, picks up the devil hitchhiking and mm. you can have two people in a car and use the landscape felt like it was the um, the simplest and the cheapest formula that we could come up with utilising uh, available materials at the time. Mm, sure. And and to great effect. But uh, so what, what sort of movies, um, what sort of movies you've been watching Lately, Richard, I'm always curious. What uh, when, when you're when you're off by yourself? I only ask because I was watching this documentary. You might have seen it. It's uh, called Trespassing Bergman, and they go into Bergman's house. A group of filmmakers go into his estate, and they're looking through all of his stuff on his shelf, and they're quite surprised to see that Bergman sat. He had a copy of like Police Academy and uh, Die Hard. <laughs> so you know like, they they couldn't get past that this. Uh, Titanic, uh, cinematic uh, god, whatever you want to call it, had uh, you know watched, uh, you know, the random fair. So you know, I was, I've always been curious. What what sort of movies do you have on your shelf in the Richard Stanley video DVD slash whatever shelf? When you're sitting at home, when you're just watching movies, what do you 
what do you go to? Well, yeah, it's um, I do occasionally still go to art movies for comfort foods. So um, I haven't been back to Bergman for a while, but I've, but um, yeah, Stalker and Mirror by Andrei Tarkovsky still gets um fairly regular rotation, at least um once or twice a year. Okay. But um, this being the immediate Halloween and post-Halloween season, right. I've been um, <clears throat> yeah revisiting a lot of um Halloween fare. Okay. Um, just been um enjoying a um a very nice new transfer of um Toby Hooper's The Funhouse, mm. which is yeah, one of my um favorite um creepy carny midway movies of all time. And, yeah. Um, yeah, but I went back to something Wicked This Way Comes, which I probably do about once a year. And um, yeah, beyond that, I guess my staple comfort food lately has been um, revisiting the um, the Fulches and uh, um, the um, yeah, '80s period Argento. Right, mostly because yeah. Um, yeah, with Fulci, I'm enjoying how um, he managed to um, get away with pretending um, gates of hell and um, house by the cemetery are um, shot in um, New England. Mm. Or in um, <clears throat> pretty much in Lovecraft country, <clears throat> while in reality they're um, shot in Chinichetta, um, with about one week's frantic location shooting on the um, the streets of New York or um, the streets mm. of New England, which is a, a formula I'm hoping to apply to um, to future Lovecraft adaptations because I'm super desperate to actually shoot on the ground in um providence rhode island or in um yeah anywhere in new england because you can't honestly do lovecraft without going to the the, the specific places that he's talking about yeah while at the same time matching that to um to overseas or um yeah foreign studio work or um virtual production so from that respect, I've uh, found myself coming all the way back to um, House by the Cemetery again. Yeah. It was a good that, video to save, that one. I mean, I, if, I, if I had to live through that event again, I would save the same videos. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, I know that they asked those questions. Though. I remember the show, what was it, Desert Island Discs? And if you had to go to a desert island with a bunch of uh, videotapes or, or whatever, or a bunch of uh, records, what, what videos or records would you take with you but uh, no that's good to see that that list would still I, I don't know I don't have such a hard time picking god if it was five or three movies to spend eternity with that would be a maddening that would probably be a worst eternity I can think of trying to think which three out of out of millions but um yeah <clears throat> no that was that's something I definitely have to ponder and and think hard about one before they'd have to give me a bit extra time uh, when it comes to that question. But uh, with all the stuff, with all the strikes and all this madness that's been going on, I mean, how do you see it from from your facilities in the Pyrenees, this, uh, this entire crazy uh, business that's been going on? How do you feel about it? Well, I'm pretty far outside the world here. I'm I'm living in a um a very remote pocket of the um of the French Pyrenees, which is um still got one foot in the the dark ages, more or less. Right. So um, yeah, the the outside world seems far away, but mm. it also plays into the um. There's always a, a sort of ongoing apocalyptic um vibe out here. 
and that um, we always seem to be in the midst of some kind of um, final conflict or um, some kind of time of prophecy or whatever. So um, the different um, apocalyptic disorders in the outer world just seem to play into the um, the general um, level of yeah paranoia and um, superstition that are yeah that are thick on the ground. I mean. I think the overall mood is um, somewhat brighter than it was um, a couple of years ago. Right. At the height of the um, the COVID confinement, things were um, really strange and sticky out here. People were um, yeah stockpiling guns and um, believing that we would, be, would the community had been infiltrated by um, extraterrestrials. That people were being replaced, like in John Carpenter's thing. So wow. it, it it got very very freaky. Wow. So, um, yeah, um, overall tension levels are ratcheted down a little. I mean, as usual in the outside world, it always feels like it's the lousiest time ever for movie making. But, I mean, I, I can't remember a time in my life when it hasn't felt like the, the lousiest time ever for movie making. Right. But nothing really that new. It, look, it's, <laughs> it certainly sounds that. I mean, when yeah, when, when someone in the village is, is supposed to be... Uh, the alien, so you mean no one thought about like getting a petri dish and putting a bit of blood in it and a, and a hot wire and going around and and testing. Uh, it got it got that way. Um, the um, leader of the feral community on the opposite side of the river, who's another guy called Richard. There's a kind of a, a mirroring thing going on out here where there's always two of everything. Okay. So there's a, a second Richard on the other side of the river. wasn't allowing anyone into his compound unless he um, inspected their belly buttons. Because he figured um, only people who were natural born would have umbilicals, and um, people who had been reproduced, um, yeah, presumed he wouldn't have belly buttons. So it, it did get that strange for uh, for a while, and um, there were two or three times when all of the um, the Wi-Fi, or as they call it, Wi-Fi out here, um, the yeah. <laughs> When the um, the cell network and the uh, the Wi-Fi went down for two or three days, and all the um, the credit cards and the ATMs were out of order, and um, things definitely started to go a little sideways. Usually by about day two or three, a sensation of is the outside world still out there? Has there been a um, a nuclear war or um, like yeah. quite what's happened? And then the things have kind of course corrected again, but it's it's definitely been um, yeah uh, tense at times. Wow, yeah. I don't think you need to worry about adapting Lovecraft, Richard. I think you should just write a story about where you live, you know. Don't they say that to writers? Write about what you know? I mean, my golly. I might move up there on the mountain with you and just, like, live there for a while and then leave and then write a book about it. <laughs> well, I generally do write about um, what I know. Yeah. And um, certainly um, the initial instinct was to shoot um, colour out of space here in, um, in, the, in the region, in the, in the zone. The, um, the first few drafts of colour out of space were all set in France and mm. um, involved a British expatriate family trying to raise alpacas in the, on an old farm in France and uh, made a lot of play out of the... Um, the language issues. Um, certainly, in the first two three drafts, I kept the character of Amy Pierce, the um, the benevolent neighbour from the Lovecraft story, 
um, Scepter had Ami and his family only speaking French, um, completely failing to understand the what the Gardner family are trying to tell them, missing all the nuance, and um, yeah, failing to put the puzzle together fast enough to um, save any of them. But, so I tried to keep the um, yeah the French gags in there for a while, uh, but um, yeah, it's just um, tax breaks and the way that international productions come together made it. Um, impossible to shoot in France. There was a, a period of time where I tried to um, set it up in, um, in Canada and Quebec and still keep the, um, the, the the tension in the language, but then, um, yeah, finally hardened my heart and um, dropped Amy Pearson, the, the French family, out of the script. Mm. And um, most of it was, yeah, based on little, little things uh, that happen around here. I mean, um, we have had a series of uh, what we used to call UFO flaps, but right. I guess we call them, um, yeah, UAPs now instead, which are unidentified atmospheric phenomena. Right. I, I love the, I love the stories of way back when I was talking to you about the your documentary about the other world, and you had the um, that woman who was living there who thought she was the reincarnation of Mary Magdalene, and her husband was Osiris the Sun God or some crap like that, and. She had a bunch of uh, chicks who used to follow her around called the Magdalenas or whatever. I remember you were telling me about and they were but eventually they got disenchanted because she wasn't she didn't turn out to be Mary Magdalene at all. She was Oh, she's still doing well. Oh, is she uh, really? Oh, yeah, still doing very well, still alive and dangerous. So she's still um, up there. Um, yeah, the Magdalenians have gone from strength to strength. So, oh my god. Um, yeah, rem um, remain dangerous. So, um, yeah. yeah, can't um, can't mouth off too freely, but um, a lot happened since then. Um, yeah, the um, the initial partner who started thinking he was Osiris, um, yeah, died inexplicably. Oh, uh, no. uh, yeah, uh, died of a um, a bizarre um. <laughs> wasting disease that no one could um diagnose that killed him in um three months at which point um suspicions of black magic were went around and um mm -hmm. all the um yeah the witches involved um counter accused each other it got real ugly um so yeah went through a um <laughs> a series of twists and turns, but um, uh, generally I can't write about this place until um, I think after some kind of statute of limitations has expired or until okay. um, more of the um, the principal players are, um, are dead, essentially, because um, it, it's, it's just too dangerous. I, I mean, um, I very few people from the other world are still alive. Well, I mean, a yeah. uh, number of people in that documentary they have have been decimated over the course of the last ten years, and mm -hmm. it's um, a, a follow up would be in order to uh, to show just um, how badly twisted things have gotten. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't blame you for keeping quiet. I'd be worried that some bugger would put a hex on me or something. Uh, you know, wake up and find myself had been turned into a bloody frog or. Uh, being Queensland a cane toad, perhaps. Um, <laughs> but well, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if you believe in it, that's the <laughs> thing, and that um, <clears throat> sorcery really only works if you, um, the more you believe in it. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I've got no doubt that I've been hexed seven ways from Sunday by now. Mm, no doubt yeah. whatsoever. 
Some mornings I wake up too, mate, and I think there's someone with a voodoo doll having a bloody good time, you know, because the, the, the aches and the pain seems to come on cue and it's I think it's probably too uh, sometimes too predictable to be cons- uh, purely, purely coincidental. Um, but, yeah, there could be witchcraft involved. But aside from uh, w- witchcraft and all that, uh, has has the uh, how's all your projects that you've been uh, slowly ticking away? And how's the, I mean, I know you were one time you were said you were writing a book, and they made you go back because you didn't really want to write about the remote remote period, but you you bent to them and sort of went back and covered it. How how did your uh, during COVID did you get managed to sit down and work on the uh, the mighty tome? An interesting question. Well, interest um, dropped off dramatically in, find, in the island of, Do- of Dr. Moreau. Right. Um, <clears throat> I do have an unpublished um, first-person account of what really happened on the island of Dr. Moreau. That, um, yeah, it does cover the entire um, <clears throat> deranged story in considerable yeah. detail. And... Um, I think um, tells the tale without substantially reproducing the events already known from um, David Gregory's documentary, Lost Soul. One of the challenges I set myself was to um, try to tell the story of as many um, completely unfamiliar scenes and things that the audience really were not expecting or didn't know about yet, which are, are still completely true. So, um, yeah, there is a, um, a first-hand account of the Moreau affair and I did hasten to finish writing it because there was a um a deranged um phase where um yeah at one point um James Franco optioned it and wanted to turn it into a television series. I think it was oh, somewhere yeah. after, after the disaster artist. Oh. Uh, um that kind of made me get them get a move on and um co- um complete writing up the um the whole Moreau fandango. But then the um, the Franco deal fell apart. He got cancelled, and um, yeah, the Moreau devolved back into into oblivion. But um, at some point, I really do need to um, get the um, the full manuscript out, and even if it's um, self published, um, what I do have coming is um, this thing, which is a book called The Last Crusade, Sorry. which. which which will be appearing in um, in the United States and um, in the world um, next year from a company called Inner Traditions. Traditions, um, Last Crusade. That looks very nice. And what what is that about? What, what is the last yeah? Crusade? The Last Crusade is um, the um, the true story about um, what happened when I was engaged by Channel Four Television in the nineteen nineties. Right. And sent to Europe to try and um, figure out whether there was a real life backstory to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay, right, right, very cool. Um, yeah, uh, which of well, course happily, uh, went, well happily, off, went well off the rails. Uh, happily titled then, the Last Crusade. Yeah, it's kind of the um, the backstory to um, to the Raiders movies. Right. From the um, point of view that we wanted to ascertain whether it was whether or not it was true that the um, the Third Reich had tried to get their hands on the Ark of the Covenant, the, oh. um, the Holy Grail, and um, 
the so-called spear of Longinus, the spear that allegedly pierced Christ's side on the cross. So um, obviously um, that kind of pitched me into a um, a ten year vortus that um, now has become the um, the text for um, the Last Crusade. Well, and, that, um, I'll have to we'll have to get that listeners. Uh, yeah, pick that. So that'll be available on Amazon. Richard, to be able to get that. Yeah, I know. We're hoping to see it out in the um, in the spring. In the spring, okay. In the spring, Richard Stanley, The Last Crusade, the uh, the story behind the story of Raiders of the Lost Ark. That sounds uh, that sounds good, Richard. I can't wait to pick that up. And I, yeah, I do hope that you uh, that you do either self publish or, or get published your 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 account of the whole um, uh, bloody Moreau thing. <laughs> it's a bit like it's a bit like Paul Giamatti's character in Sideways, where he says, you know, no Merlot. You should have called it like no Moreau. If anyone orders Moreau, I'll leave, I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, I do need to get that out. I mean, um, apart from anything else, I think it's a pretty good read. Well, yeah, I mean, we, even though in the documentary and other times that you've been asked about it, you have given your account. I mean, but you, this is this is your account of the whole thing from go to woe, right? From from the day you, the day you got involved, from the day you got the the, the quiet letter to please bugger off yeah no that's kind of the, almost the beginning I get it so, yeah I, I, in fact the current manuscript starts with us skidding away in the car somewhere <laughs> off just after the axe has fallen it's the middle right. of a rainstorm and right. um, the car goes out of control and strikes some kind of large marsupial rat that's in the middle of the road and you know, um, you know what's going to be you know what's going to be really interesting? You couldn't get the island of Dr. Marumove, but what if this book comes out and they want to make a movie of the book, of the story? Well, that's what that's what almost happened a few years ago with the Franco affair, which is why it's oh, kind of sorry okay. that it collapsed, no, he, because right. um, had, he not, thought, had he not been fucking cancelled, oh, um, okay. um, that could have actually happened, which was so metatextual and so strange that oh, okay. um, uh, okay. I was kind of sorry that it didn't, um, that it didn't proceed. I'm sorry. And, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I apologise. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about he wanted to make... Mer the island of Dr. Moreau as a series. He wanted to... No, no, he wanted to do something, a, a story based on the... On the uh, making. On the meltdown of oh. the, uh, yeah, the 1995 production in um, in far north Queensland, which um, oh, by sure. now is um, a, a, a situation so notorious that yeah, I think it feeds into a number of movies. I even um, see its fingerprints a bit on Tropic Thunder. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's certainly a yeah, uh, such a notorious state of affairs that there are stories that um that exist within the story. Obviously, Every... you've got um you know how however many people were there, one hundred and fifty, two hundred lives, and um there were, uh, yeah a lot of things happened um yeah while we were trapped out there. Mm. No, I'm I'm sorry when you started talking about it, I thought you were you were saying he wanted to do. The Island of Dr. Moreau as a series. Now I understand he wanted to do the making of, or the, the unmaking of Island of Dr. Moreau um, as a series. But uh, look, e equally, I mean, I remember you saying to me once when we were talking that that 
while Ed Pressman, who's sadly no longer with us, was actually you were working with him on, on an actual series, trying to trying to break it Moreau down into a series at one point, weren't you? Yeah, still out there, and um, I still wish someone would do it. Yeah. And that, um, yeah, the island of Doctor Moreau remains um, a book that hasn't really had its um, its optimum um, screen um, incarnation. There's really um, room to move with Doctor Moreau, and um, and of course the technology now exists to um, be able to do it um, a lot more easily than in the old days. But, um, I mean, I'm still looking into the possibility of um, going um, full animation on it because um, even as a, a full anime, or a, um, some of that material is so is so tempting. I, re I remain very attached to um, the dogmen and some of the um, the beast folk who um, continue to exist as characters in my head and show up when I like when I was. Um, in the middle of the COVID fever when I had the, the COVID virus. So I had a, a very vivid hallucination that um, Wagdi, one of the um, the dogmen, were there. And um, they still pop out of the, the woodwork and I still think of dialogue and routines for them. So yeah, I could see that um, yeah, even a, um, an animated series involving the, um, the beast folk and um, life on the island would um, be, um, be huge fun. Uh, um, it would be a great project uh, done in the style like Ralph Bakshi used to do with uh, rotoscoping. If you took uh, your original concept artist, uh, what was his name? Humphreys, Dave Humphreys is Graham Humphreys. Yeah, the great yeah. Graham Humphreys. He has he has his great uh, he has great uh, texture and and color combinations in those uh, paintings that he did. To see that like rotoscoped. Or like a rotoscope version of the way Bakshi used Frazetta, if you used like Dave's art and, and rotoscoped with it, that would be a pretty weird, full on, full out, you know, acid trip uh, version of the story. Yeah, I mean, there's life in there, and yeah, wrote a, um, a, a yet another um, pilot for um, Dr. Moreau just a couple of months ago. So uh, yeah, it's still uh, it's still active. It's still um, it still lives at my desktop, and I'm still pitching the beast. Mm. So, uh, but uh, in, now I'm I'm I re I really want to see now the the series based on who who do, you, who do you see playing you in that series, Richard? Not Nicolas Cage. No, nah, he'd be too old. That's the thing. <laughs> it, it's like I was young back then. Oh, okay. uh, so I haven't, I haven't really got um, any um, any any theories. I mean, I was I was desperately young at the at the time when um, the original um, yeah. Island of Doctor Moreau happened. No, I, no, I just I just asked because I remember seeing a clip where they they were talking to uh, uh, what's his face, the, the the legendary screenwriting guru. Um, you know, what I'm talking about. Um, Robert McKee, and he had to approve. Oh, yeah. He had to prove approve the actor that was going to play him in adaptation, and he approved Brian Cox apparently. Um, so yeah, no. So I wondered, you know, if I mean, if you know, if you, if you have someone who's going to to play you, I guess sometimes it, it depends on how um, how much pull you have, whether you to pick, you know. Oh, this is the list we have of people to play you. You know, like you might end up with someone like. Tom Hiddleston playing you or something like that. 
Yeah, I think it would be a very bad idea to allow me to have any control whatsoever over <laughs> over that casting choice. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. But uh, yeah, look, mate, it's been it's been good talking to you. It's um, it's always a pleasure. It's always a unique experience. I'm glad that you're still uh, you're still doing what you do, Richard, up there in the. Uh, up there in the mountains, I really hope that um, all of the hexes come off. And I'm uh, planning to get down from the mountains um, in 2024 and um, get shooting again. Get some peace uh, back in the valley. Some peace back and in the uh, We live in strange and, um, yeah, apocalyptic days. I mean... Um, I don't necessarily foresee um, um, peace in my lifetime, but um, do want to be shooting again next year and to um, get down from the mountains. And um, it comes down more to finding, I guess, peace in oneself if one can't find peace in the world. That's true. Because that's true. That's true. Listen. I mean, yeah, whatever happens, it's going to be lively next year. I mean, the the world's in a an absolutely um crazy shape. Yes, it's uh, the race to the bottom is definitely on. And, uh, you know, I mean, you look at that. Uh, have you seen that great thing they're building in Dubai, which is like a great big uh, wall that people are going to live inside or all the rich people are going to go live inside? It's going to be a bit like that uh, George Romero's uh, Land of the Dead, you know, where, where Dennis Hopper's living in the skyscraper and the rest of us are all on the outside. Yeah, and um happy to be um protected here in the mountains that's for sure and uh, um i've been um yeah thanking my lucky stars every day that i've been here and mm. that i um i think i found my i found my my right place in the world yeah. and certainly certainly it's on a it's on an elevated position you want the high ground in any uh in any exchange certainly in a uh, in the event of an apocalypse or a zombie apocalypse or even an alien apocalypse as it turns out that yeah, I mean, alien apocalypse would be nice. I mean, if I had a choice as to what comes next, uh, I, I'd go for um, alien apocalypse just because um, it would change things up a little. And, um, yeah, I'm all down for the um, the return of the old ones. I figure um, humans have made such a, a mess of things that um, having um, yeah alien ultra-dimensional deities take power um, can't be all bad. Yeah, I mean, they can't do any worse. Um and and certainly the people that, that that oppose them will be flattened pretty much on the spot. I can't see them. Uh, there won't be much negotiation when uh, <laughs> they won't be able to call in the lawyers. It'll just be like, no, I choose you to die. Massive tentacle or a foot or a cloven hoof uh, descends and flattens them all to um, delicious raspberry cooling in the dirt. But, uh, Richard, until the fall of mankind and um, the betterment of the world, um, it's uh, it's been great to talk to you on Cinema Yugen, and I hope all of those projects, I, I, I really look forward to, to your account, um, of the account of, of the, um, the disaster on the island. That would have been a really great series. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And I look forward, I'm going to definitely... Uh, listeners, check out that book too, The Last Crusade, Richard Stanley, The Last Crusade. Look for it in the spring, coming this spring, The Last Crusade, Richard Stanley, uh, 
goes yeah, up from you know, traditions yeah uh, so I, I haven't got a publication date from them but we've um it's actually um can now contractually signed and sealed the um the beast is coming awesome the last crusade by richard stanley the real story behind uh, whether the nazis really were after the ark of the covenant who knows we wish him all the best up there in, in the high mountains richard stanley thank you for being my guest on cinema you get well, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you, mate. And uh, more power to you, my friend. Give him a hand. Of All of our listeners, check out Richard has his official website. It is the official richardstanley.com. That's the official richardstanley.com to follow on from uh, everything with that Rich is up to, all the books, the films, all the interviews, all that good stuff, the official richardstanley.com. And uh, also, if you want to check out uh, Richard's, uh, the rest of Richard's excerpt from Conquest of the Planet of the Tapes straight to video three, that's on Amazon, and uh, I'll put the description, I'll put the link, sorry, I'll put the link in the description box. So yeah, check that out. Conquest of the Planet of the Tapes, straight to video three, and uh, the official RichardStanley.com. Thank you for listening to Cinema Yugen. <laughs>